And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to Earth Destruction Directive. I am your host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti. I'd like to thank everyone for downloading and listening to the show today. And we have a very special episode today. As you can hear, we are on the road in the mobile studio Mark IV, also known as my Hyundai Accent. And I am on the road heading down the interstate to go meet up with some friends to go see Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I have been anticipating for many, many years and I am very eager to see. Uh, you know, this has been a big summer for movies. Kind of the 900-pound gorilla has, of course, been Avengers Endgame. And I liked Endgame. I was interested in seeing it. But this, King of the Monsters, is my movie, air quotes up to the mic, for 2019 that I am excited to see. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just been a lot of chatter going on online about how much money this movie's going to make, what the Rotten Tomatoes score is going to be, what the critics say. Frankly, I could really could not care less about any of that. I never listen to Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I've spent most of my adult life learning to distrust film critics. And now I'm supposed to blindly follow an algorithm that picks winners and losers. So no thank you. I'm not going to deal with that. Uh, I don't care how much the movie makes relative to any other film except for the other films in the MonsterVerse series. I will be interested to see if King of the Monsters makes more money, specifically then if it makes more money than Godzilla 2014, because domestically, Godzilla 2014 was originally given an extremely, extremely slim chance of making it to 200 million, with several pundits saying there is absolutely no way this movie will make 200 million. And those of us who remember five years ago, Godzilla 2014 did in fact make 200 million. So I'll be interested to see uh, if King of the Monsters can repeat that number. Also interested to see what it does overseas. But relative to Endgame, relative to anything else, couldn't possibly care less. It's absolutely irrelevant what it makes relative to a film like Endgame, which has, you know, a decade plus of Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff behind it. Uh, furthermore, monster movies are never going to make as much money as superhero movies, Jurassic World notwithstanding. That said, I'm very much looking forward to this. Have been pretty much since it was announced. I mean, obviously since it was announced, but definitely since the announcement of the monster cast to be the Toho Big Four, Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah, uh, echoing the cast of, you know, my... Got Ghidorah, the three-headed monster, and Save Mothra, Monster Zero, of course, my two favorite of the Showa sequels, and just a great lineup. Uh, I've avoided most of the trailers for this film. Uh, I did see the very last one when I went to see Endgame, just because it was there. I didn't have any. I couldn't avoid it. Uh, I mean, the plot is pretty 
it seems to be fairly straightforward from what they're telling us in the trailers. But like I said, I've avoided interviews, I've avoided B-roll, avoided as much as I can to really go in with as clean a slate as possible. Uh, I did that in 2014 and I think that really um, enhanced my viewing experience and made me enjoy the viewing experience more. Uh, there's been, I tell you what, it, it, it's really been ridiculous to me, folks. Social media, Facebook especially, with Twitter as well, has been just rife with spoilers. Just people putting spoilers out, not putting them behind spoiler space, not putting them in a, you know, say, oh, click through for my comments. Just putting it right out there. I, I love that, you know, I remember the early days of the internet when spoiler space was first created. And now we've just gotten so far away from it. It's this, comp this competitive mindset of I've seen it, you haven't. And, and it just makes no sense to me. Uh, I've, I've really been applauding people that have been asking people, hey, please don't post, post spoilers. Some people actually do want to be surprised when they see this. So it's, it's been, that's been disappointing. I've been, I've been disappointed by the fan attitude in general leading up to this. It's all been us versus them stuff, like I said about, oh, well, what, what are the critics going to give it? How much money is it going to make? How's it going to set up the next one? I, I don't care about that. I, like I said, I, I'm just wanting, I'm excited to go see four of the coolest monsters ever on the big screen in a big budget, um, you know, uh, American Godzilla movie. That, that's all I'm excited about. And the rest of it will fall out as it does. That, that is what it is. So, uh, like I said, I'm meeting up with some friends. Uh, I am wearing, I let my wife pick out my Godzilla shirt today. I am wearing a black Godzilla shirt that says Gojira down the uh, the uh, left-hand side of the shirt and it's Godzilla on the bottom it is black with white print it has a an image of Godzilla from 1984 the Godzilla 84 suit we can tell from the the teeth it's kind of the primary look here uh, so it's a little warm today for a black t-shirt but I figured it's Godzilla I can be a little warm for Godzilla so uh, I'm gonna continue driving I've got a, a decent drive ahead of me uh, uh, but uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to go see the movie and I'll have some thoughts and stuff after that. Make it a little spoilery, might not. If I do get spoilery though, I will do all the non-spoilery stuff first and then say, okay folks, if you don't want spoilers, please turn your podcast off now. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a couple of trailers and then we'll be right back to talk about Godzilla King of the Monsters right here on Earth Destruction Directive. What we are witnessing here is the return of Titans. How many of these things are there? Seventeen and counting. That's messed up. <laughs> Mothra. Rodan. Kidora. Oh my. They're moving like a pack. They're hunting. They all respond directly to an alpha. We stop this Ghidorah. We stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him? Perish. And so will we. 
we've set Godzilla free. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's bring him in for a beer. No, this time we join the fight. Run. Godzilla's world. We just live in it. Damn right. All right, we are back. Just got out of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, a few minutes ago. Wow. I am, I am hyped up at the moment, so I'm going to try and, uh, collect my thoughts and keep things, uh, keep things reasonable and rational here. Uh, okay, so first off, in an effort to keep things reasonable and rational, uh, this had <laughs> the strangest selection of trailers I've ever seen for a genre movie in my life. Now, for a movie that is a Godzilla movie, ostensibly, right, a science fiction giant monster movie, our trailers were for not one, but two different Dave Bautista comedies, My Spy and uh, Gloober. I don't know. Some it, Both of them looked atrociously bad. I don't particularly like Dave Bautista as a wrestler or an actor, uh, so not particularly interested in either of those. Uh, then we saw a trailer for Rocket Man, which is playing down the hall from where I'm sitting because that came out the same day and is King of the Monsters, uh, you know, competition. And then we saw a trailer for Booksmart, which, fine, uh, okay, it's supposed to be good, but has absolutely nothing, no reasonable connection. And then uh, finally saw the trailer for the adaptation of Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which, again, uh, th this is what Warners is putting before their, their giant monster movie? That made absolutely no sense. So be that as it may. So as for the movie itself, oh, man, I am extremely, extremely satisfied with this movie. I had an absolute blast. Uh, you know, one of the complaints... Oh, I should say, I'm going to give some non-spoiler thoughts about the film, and then um, I think I'm going to... I'll cut it off and say that at this point, after this point, there will be spoilers you can turn it off. But for right now, we're going to be non-spoilery, okay? Compared to Godzilla 2014, this, this film has a structure that reminds me more of a Showa film for just the way that it is paced, the way that it is laid out, the way that the monster scenes and the human scenes kind of push and pull back and forth from each other. Uh, if I had to compare it to any of the specific Showa films, I would say it sort of follows in the dynamic of Monster Zero. And uh, again, specifically in the way that the two halves of the film kind of interact with each other and go back and forth. It reminded me a lot of Monster Zero in that sense. Um, the uh, you know, one of, one of the complaints about Godzilla 2014 was that there was more focus on the human story than on the on Godzilla and the Mutos. I don't... This definitely has more focus on the monsters, at least for screen time, but like pretty much every Godzilla movie ever made, the human story and the monster stories drive each other, and they're both important. You can't have one half of this without the other. 
Um, the, the the cast, I mean, I recognize some of the cast. Uh, Ken Watanabe is back as Dr. Sarazawa. Uh, he's really the only real returning human character. Uh, and the, the human story I, I liked. It, it did swerve me a little bit, but once the swerve came out, I was on board with it. I understood the different characters' motivations, and I thought it was played out well, uh, to be honest. There wasn't any part that really struck me as overly sappy or, you know, trite or, you know, really what I call kind of Hollywood predictable. There were some, you know, some parts that probably were a little far-fetched, but again, it's a movie about giant monsters fighting. I'm going to have to let that slide. Um, so, uh, as far as standouts, as I said, um, Watanabe is always fantastic. Um, you know, but I don't think anyone is here for my critique of the human aspect of this film. The monster aspect of this film is really, really well done. And, you know, I liked Godzilla 2014 a lot, and I still do. And it kind of followed the the idea of the original of Godzilla 54 with kind of the pacing and how the monsters were involved in the story. As I said, this one is more of a 60s style approach than a 50s style approach. And I think that will satisfy a, a lot of viewers because that is very similar to how Toho made films in the 60s and the 70s. And even to an extent in the 90s, they kind of were informed by that, uh, that, that, that format to the film, that, that, pacing of the film, and I think it's really well done. Um, Dougherty, Michael Dougherty, and, and I'm a fan. Uh, if you listen to the vault, you know, that we covered. Oh, we got a guy driving a, uh, a Silverado here with no muffler. You go, redneck. You show him, man. Woo! <laughs> what a maroon. Anyway, so if you listen to the vault of startling monster or tales of terror, you know that Michael Dougherty, he was the director of Trick or Treat, the, the, the modern Trick or Treat, not the heavy metal Trick or Treat, and uh, Krampus, both of which we on the vault really liked and appreciated. And Dowdy brings kind of the same uh, approach to those films. One of the things I'd always thought about Dowdy is that you could tell he's a fan by the way that he constructs his movies and what he puts the emphasis on. And I get a legitimate feeling that he is really struck me as a Godzilla fan making this movie because... You know, there, there's this idea that, oh, a Godzilla movie should be just monsters. And you can't have that. You can't have that for 90 minutes. It, it you know, you can't even do that for, for 22 minutes on an episode of Ultraman. You need the human characters, both from a filmmaking standpoint, because you need characters that can convey information, but you also need it from just a, an interest standpoint. You know, you can't, uh, it's one thing to watch, uh, you know, monsters fight for, you know, eight, nine minutes at a clip. It's another thing to have humans disappear for 30 to 45 minutes at a time. There are some Godzilla films that eliminate the human characters altogether for long stretches. And let me tell you, they're, they're not the ones that are held in high regard. So I think they already had the right approach uh, to the structure of this film and how he balances the two acts. Uh, from a, a filmmaking standpoint, it looks really nice. The CG, the effects are really nice. The, all the monsters have a lot of character. Uh, Godzilla is... He's slightly different from the 2014 version, but clearly the same monster. A uh, King Ghidorah is a bit more animalistic. Uh, he there there's a couple of times where he actually um, he walks on his the uh, puts like the tips of his wings on the ground and walks kind of like a like a bat almost. 
which is, is very, very cool and a, definitely a different look for King Ghidorah because you normally think of this walking upright or flying. So here he looks a bit more animalistic and a bit more like a creature that could actually exist. Rodan is wonderful. Rodan has a great turn in this film. You know, the thing about Rodan is he's only ever had the one starring role and then he's been a supporting character for the rest of his career. And he's the same way here, but he's such a fan favorite that you have to give him his props. And this film definitely gives Rodan his props. Mothra, um, all I'm gonna say about Mothra is that she plays the role that you expect her to play. You know, Mothra is traditionally the lawful good monster. And uh, I don't think it's not, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that that's her role. Mothra also really well realized. Her new look is a, is a departure from the classic sort of look. Uh, we've, I think we've, we've seen, you know, uh, some of the details of her already in the advertising and in the marketing material. But the, to me, the visual aspect of her that is the most important is always her wings, and her wings look amazing. So they, uh, Mothra has a great presence. I am sure that Mothra fans will be happy with her turn in this film. Um, it, there's a lot of action, but there's a lot of story in this too. You know, one of the things that we get with some of these Hollywood tentpole movies is that the story, it just goes from place to place to place and doesn't make a lot of sense. There's not, you don't really get that here. The story is fairly straightforward. Uh, once all the characters are introduced and uh, the plot is set into motion, things proceed pretty much logically. There is one bit kind of in the, the, the end of the second act, which is, I think, purposefully presented as a mystery. And I'm assuming is sowing the seeds for uh, we don't I don't know if it's gonna be called Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla, uh, but for the next one. And I'm assuming it's gonna be touched on there. There's some dialogue that touches back to some aspects of Skull Island, which I assume is gonna be fleshed out in the next one. And that's okay. It's mysterious. It doesn't beat you over the head. I'm personally not a fan of seeding too much because I want the films to stand on their own. And uh, that said, King of the Monsters definitely stands on its own as its own movie. It, it is clearly the sequel to, King, to Godzilla 2014. If you haven't seen Godzilla 2014, this does a really good job, I thought, of giving you enough of the backstory to catch you up. Uh, now, of course, if you listen to this show, most likely you've seen Godzilla 2014, so I think you'll appreciate some of the early scenes in this film that tie back to that and also touch on the changes to the world in the aftermath and the fallout of Godzilla 2014. Uh, the music is uniformly good. Most of the soundtrack has been released on YouTube if you want to go listen to it. Uh, there's some great audio cues that will get longtime fans uh, appreciation, I think. Um, there's, it's not one of the, it's not really deafening. You get sometimes with some of the soundtracks where the mix between the soundtracks and the effects is so loud that it becomes a bit um, uh, like a cacophony. Um, the Transformers films have a reputation for this, especially in some of the later ones. Didn't really get that here. I saw it on a standard 2D showing and I was really impressed with the, the, uh, the audio-visual aspect of the film. Um, I'm trying to think of this non-spoilery stuff about it. Um, they, okay, pay the end credits. The visual aspect of the end credits you need to pay attention to. And there is a post-credit scene, that's all I'll say about that. Post-credit scene again, and the, the visual aspect of the credits do look forward. But once you're in the credits, I think it's okay to look forward, so that's fine. Um, overall, I thought this was excellent. A great follow-up 
to Godzilla 2014, a great monster movie in its own right. It's a monster movie that's not ashamed of being a monster movie. It, it gives us great looks at all of the star monsters. It gives us plenty of, of action and combat, and it's, it, it, it surprises you. It has twists and turns. I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I think this is going to hold up to multiple viewings, just like to me Godzilla 2014 does. But I think this one may end up being uh, a bit more of a crowd pleaser for the traditional Daikaiju fan, just because, again, of the structure being very similar in a lot of ways to a Showa film. Uh, so I would say if you're on the fence about it, you're not sure. But if you're a loyal listener to Earth Destruction Directive, I think you will enjoy this film. And I think that uh, it's well worth going out to see it. Uh, whether you see it opening weekend or, or whatever. I'm not one of these guys I, I, that, that has to see it opening weekend. I wanted to see Godzilla opening weekend just because the spoilers have been so crazy that I wanted to get kind of ahead of them. And, you know, like I said in the first half, Godzilla is my thing, you know? That's my favorite fandom is Japanese giant monsters. And so going to see a big budget Godzilla movie on opening weekend, that's, I've done it. All three American Godzilla films, I've done it. And I did it for Godzilla 2000. Dang it, dang it. Uh, call back there. Uh, so I, 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 you know, to me it had to, but hopefully this has a pretty nice leggy run and uh, you'll get an opportunity to, to see this film. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing it again and picking it up on Blu-ray. So that is it for the non-spoiler portion of the show. If you are leaving the show now, thank you very much for downloading and listening. I hope you enjoyed uh, our episode today. Please write in and let me know uh, what you thought about it. Maybe you listen to the non-spoiler part and then go see it and then write in. I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear everybody's thoughts about uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. So if you're signing off now, again, thank you. Um, and, uh, and we will catch up with you next time. So keep them stomping until then. All right. Now spoilers on. Okay. I'm not going to go full out spoilers and tell you everything that happens, but there's a few things I want to touch on that deal with details of the plot. So last warning, if you want to go in cold and don't want any spoilers, please turn off the podcast now. Again, I thank you very much for downloading and listening. But spoilers are on from this point forward. Okay. All right. So first off, uh, I love all of the advances that Monarch has because Monarch is out in the open now. So they've got a they've got a an undersea like floating fortress called uh, Castle Bravo. They have a giant flying fortress. Called the um, called the Argo. I love the fact that they have all this mecha. They have a fleet of Ospreys. They've got uh, probe ships that come out of Fortress Bravo. They've got uh, uh, outposts all over the world. They've got these security bunkers all over the world. I love the scope of Monarch in this film. That is just so cool to me. I said, and this, you know, I said it. And to be fair. And not taking credit for this, everybody said this when Godzilla 2014 came out. They said Monarch has to be the connective tissue, and that plays out beautifully here. I love seeing that, and I love seeing all of their, like I said, all their their mecha and technology. That was great. Um, the monsters themselves. The movie starts with Mothra hatching from an egg, and then the being a caterpillar. I had no idea this was coming, and this was so wonderful. I. I this had just a big smile on my face because of this. I mean, how great is that? How great is it to have Mothra appear as she should, as a larva, and then spin a cocoon and hatch out of the cocoon and become an imago, 
oh, just so great. And uh, the music in all this bit, it just touches on the Mothra theme and without beating you over the head with it, it's there if you know it, if you don't know it, it it's just the regular soundtrack, it's just great. Uh, one of the scientists at Monarch, uh, who is, uh, I think she's supposed to be Chinese, uh, but then she shows that her mother was in Monarch and her grandmother was in Monarch and it's all these women that are all identical <laughs> and she's the one that's studying Mothra. It's like, oh, oh man, just a great little nod to the, the twin fairies of Infant Island. In fact, there is a name drop on a caption of a photo. This is Infant Island 1961. That was wonderful. Um, you know, Rodan in this movie, some of the early um, uh, hype material for Rodan said that he was the wild card. He certainly is. Rodan is the one who will attack anybody. And, you know, Rodan will go, he, he's he's the tough guy, right? He's gonna attack everybody. Rodan shows no fear, which has always been kind of Rodan's persona. There's a great bit, uh, again, in the final reel, and remember, spoilers on, but Rodan is fighting Mothra. He has Mothra pinned down and he's trying to peck at Mothra, which is his big move from both Ghidorah and Monster Zero, and then Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla 93. You know, using the tooth and claw fighting. So Rodan's whole sequence after he comes out of the uh, the volcano and is taking out all of the monarch jets, just a wonderful scene, reminded me very strongly of Rodan fighting all the fighter jets from the original Rodan, just absolutely wonderful. Uh, King Ghidorah, I mean, the fact that he is called Monster Zero for a good portion of this film, and then they begin calling him King Ghidorah, and then, they reveal that the reason why he is the, the monkey wrench is because he is from outer space. And they specifically say, you mean an alien? That they didn't say space monster is only because that term might be a little esoteric for 2019. But staying true to the idea that King Ghidorah is a space monster as he has traditionally been portrayed in this series, I loved that. I thought that was an excellent uh, way to translate that and to bring the idea that if you, can, if you accept the idea that the Titans are naturally occurring on Earth and you introduce an alien into that mix, an, an invasive species is how he's described, why that would cause an imbalance. And I thought that was great. And that is King Ghidorah. He is the space, the space monster. So that was fantastic. You know, the, the battles in this, we get uh, a very early fight between Godzilla and King Ghidorah where, um, you know, King Ghidorah is ends up retreating away from the fight, uh, but, but Godzilla and King Ghidorah give each other back and forth. Just really, really just well done. I mean, I again, the, the Mutos and the Godzilla, and Godzilla fights from 2014, I thought were well done. This takes them up a notch, and they never become so frenetic that you can't follow them. Part of the idea of these monsters being so large is that they move like giant monsters. So it's never cut in such a way or moving in such a way that you can't follow the battles. And to me, that was a really big deal because I was, I had some concerns about that, but the way that this is put together and shot all of the monster battles, and there are a few, uh, are, are very uh, easy to follow from a visual standpoint. And it's just it's really, really well done. I liked that one of the major, the major driver of the plot was a device that could control, not so much control, but manipulate the monsters. How many times was that a plot point in a show, a movie, that whether it was the Exe the Exeans or the Keylocks or 
uh, the Space Hunter M monsters, or Space Hunter M aliens, excuse me, or the black hole aliens, where could control or manipulate a monster, even into the Heisei and Millennium films, you know, using, um, you know, uh, Mickey Zangoose's uh, psychic powers to try and push things in a certain way. Uh, all of the, uh, pretty much all of Final Wars revolves around the, the monsters being controlled and manipulated. So I thought that was a great way to do that. I love that there was a human villain. I've seen some people complain about this. I thought that was great because, again, that gets into the traditional build of the Godzilla films. There's always a human or humanoid villain that the human heroes have to fight against, and they kept that going. And, uh, you know, again, there is some aspects of this that are clearly setting up the sequel, but it doesn't go so much with that that I didn't feel that this was a complete story. I felt that this was definitely a full and complete tale, King of the Monsters, as it stands on its own two feet. Just a, I had a wonderful time watching this. I really did. Now, I talked about this in the, in the first half of the back half, <laughs> in the non-spoiler portion. So when they go into the ancient civilization, after Godzilla has been defeated by the oxygen destroyer missile, and it's like, oh, come on. But after they go into this ancient civilization, my friend Adam Dredd goes, Atlantis? And I said, Moo? And in the back of my head, I thought, Zootopia? But we're never getting any explanation about this. This ties in with all of the talk of the hollow earth, both in this film and in uh, Skull Island. So I have got to believe that this is going to be, if, if not in, na in name, but perhaps in, in tone, the Moo Empire or some other ancient civilization, perhaps even Atlantis. Uh, that that has going to tie in in the last film and that makes sense again between not only what is discussed in King of the Monsters But tying back again to the skull crawlers and all the other subterranean monsters in Skull Island So that part that part I could see being kind of a sticking point because it really doesn't explain anything And it's just kind of out there for it to be a mystery and I'm kind of okay with it And I'm kind of like well, maybe you know again, maybe that's too much seeding, but that's that is the, the nature of the beast in 2019 with these franchises is you have to see for the future because that's expected from the audience. Uh, Dr. Sarazawa's sacrifice I thought was a great callback to 1954. If anybody in that cast was going to sacrifice themselves, it would be Dr. Sarazawa. I loved the twist of it being Sarazawa sacrificing himself to resurrect Godzilla instead of to destroy him. So I thought that was really well done. I appreciated that very much. Um, I would have loved for the, the burning Godzilla to form to not have been spoiled on Facebook. I'm shaking my fist at you, Facebook, for spoiling that because it's it, it's a great turn. And it, it's I really loved it. Uh, you know, burning Godzilla, again, we talked about this on the Godzilla vs. Destroyer episode. And then when my brother wrote the email, such an iconic look. And I don't want to throw that around, but it's a great rendition of the burning Godzilla. And it really... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's handled very nicely, and how that comes into play in the final reel, I thought was really, really cool. Uh, so, I think that's about all the spoilers I want to get into. I'm urging you to go see this movie. If you're a Godzilla fan, I think you will definitely enjoy it. Um, oh, one other thing, I will say this. Shout out to the hair metal hero, uh, seeing Boston and specifically Fenway Park getting destroyed. Uh, you know, just goes to show that everybody hates the Red Sox. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> But in any event, 
I, I heartily recommend King of the Monsters. I think if you go see this on the big screen, you will not be disappointed if, again, if you're a Godzilla fan. And if you're listening to Earth Destruction Directive, you must be at least a little bit a Godzilla fan. I thought it had great spectacle. I thought it was a, a really solid story that, you know, didn't make too many leaps of logic. There's a, you know, there's a few involving the monsters because, again, they're monsters. You kind of have to accept that. Uh, but I thought the story was good, but the effects were fantastic. The monster scenes and the monster action was just fantastic. Really, really fun time. And I definitely enjoyed this movie, and I am eager to see it again. So, uh, again, if you stuck with us for the spoiler portion, please, what did you think? Write in Earth Destruction Directive at Yahoo.com. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like about King of the Monsters. What are you hoping for now that you've seen it? What are you hoping for for the next one? Uh, you know, what do you, um, what, what, go ahead, what, I want to know, let's talk about it here on the show, I'd love to do a feedback episode for King of the Monsters, uh, so again, thank you everybody for downloading and listening, thank you for listening to the spoiler portion, if you did, and, um, I hope I didn't, uh, spoil too much, and I hope you all, I hope those of you listening have seen it first, so I'm not spoiling it for you, that's, we can talk in our, our spoiler safe space, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I want to thank, thank everyone again for downloading and listening, and I want to let everybody know once again that this show is for everyone. If you want to be part of Earth Destruction Directive, you are welcome here on the show uh, to celebrate Godzilla and other giant monsters. Okay, I am going to sign off. I'm on my way back home right now. I'm going to focus on the road for a little bit. Again, thank you everybody. Please go out and see Godzilla King of the Monsters. I don't think you will be disappointed. And uh, until next time, keep them stomping. This has been Earth Destruction Directive, a Daikaiju podcast, produced and created by me, Luke Jackanetti, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, available at twotruefreaks.com. This is a fan work celebrating the history and culture of Japanese giant monsters. All movies, TV shows, comic books, characters, and other intellectual property is copyright their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended or implied. If you'd like to send an email to the show, you can email me at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com. I respond to all emails, and if you send in some comments, I'll read them on the show. All episodes of Earth Destruction Directive can be found at twotruefreaks.com. You can also find the show on iTunes. Just search for Earth Destruction Directive. You can even leave an iTunes review if you want. You can get in touch with the show on Facebook. Just search for Earth Destruction as the first name and Directive as the last name. You can also get in touch with me on Twitter with the handle LJacone. That's L-J-A-C-O-N-E. And if you want to buy something discussed on the show, head on over to twotruefreaks.com and click on the Amazon.com link on the front page. Any items you buy during your session on Amazon.com will help keep the lights on, and it won't cost you anything extra. Thanks for listening, and be sure to come back next time for more city-stomping fun on Earth Destruction Directive. Tune in next time to hear the crusty old podcaster from Oklahoma say, There's a WTF (laughs) moment if I ever saw one. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible.